You're listening to the best of the Tom Bernard Show.com, brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Who, me? <laughs> so I'd like to know if I was married to a whore piece of shit. <laughs> you could just look at her license. My. Special stripe. That was amazing. Oh my gosh. Coming by sweet corn, potatoes, onions, pickles. It's not how you use them, sir. <laughs> it's really sickening that anybody would be into radio this much. It is ungoddamn believable. I think I'm going to hell. I just realized it. Thank you, Tom. You're just delicious. <laughs> We're here today with Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant. Michael, what's going on? You know, we keep getting phone calls, and it's interesting because people try to handle a lot of stuff on their own, or they try to talk to the adjusters, or they wait, um, and they think maybe it'll cost them money if they talk to me. And, you know, we tell them it's free to talk to us. Um, I go through what their rights are and, you know, we try to help them as best we can. We don't sign everyone up. Sometimes I just give them advice and they go from there and then call us back later. But the key is, is that they don't know all their rights or they're not told all the rights by the adjuster. And that's one of the things we try to make sure that they get, you know, they get that understanding, uh, so they can help themselves and their families the best they can. And the number is? Is 800-770-7008. Or at the website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Brad, Sean, Bryant, Michael Bryant, thank you. Seeking justice for the injured. Brad, Sean, Bryant. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Brought to you by Bradshaw and Bryant. Kicking off the show this week, we had Butch Patrick on the show. Butch Patrick, better known as Eddie Munster. Next on the best of... You know what's so amazing about that, Butch, is the fact that because... It was Yvonne DiCarlo, and it was you when you go down the list. Uh, we can't possibly picture anyone else being in those roles. So when I did see that that trailer, or that I think there was about five or ten minute uh, um, yeah. initial episode or whatever, it just seemed so odd because, that, I, wait a minute, Eddie, that's Butch Patrick. I'm sorry you can't have anybody else playing that role. <laughs> it's, it's what I'm used to <laughs> and having all these uh, there probably never was a bigger Munsters fan than than me. I absolutely the humor of the Munsters. Now you know the Adams family was wonderful as well, and it's a different kind of humor. Mm-hmm. But the straight ahead, you know, Leo DeRocher getting head <laughs> hit in the head by a baseball that, that yeah. uh, Herman had hit. I loved the the humor on the Munsters. I thought it was fantastic. Well, you know, it was produced by the people that had done Leave It to Beaver for six years, so they had a very good formula in place. And then what they did is they uh, they took the universal monsters and the genre and uh, took all that lighting and all the set designs that they were so good at and wound up making this great comedy. So you know you had great writing, you had good, you know good people, but you had this unique way of taking the universal monster franchises and turning them into a television show. Yeah, I, it just it was a great. Whose idea was the same people that, that did Leave It to Beaver? It was one of their i yep. was their initial idea. Yeah, it was. They they had they started with Amos and Andy in the fifties, then they went to Leave It to Beaver, and really? then they went to the Munsters. They had their, they were all over the mm. place. 
I, you know, and I tell you what, Butch, I got in huge trouble for this, but you can blame them. It's their fault, not mine. I once asked my mother why she didn't wear an, a gown and pearls when she was cooking in the kitchen like the mom on Leave It to Beaver. <laughs> she was dressed to the nines, man. When those kids were going off to school, she was already set for the evening. It was oh, unbelievable. It. Yeah, the dads you were know, always wearing suits. Look at, look, at, look at Elizabeth Montgomery on Bewitch. And, uh, oh, yeah. yeah I mean, look at Donna Reed. They were all well-dressed ladies. You know, it was, uh, they were all, they were all getting ready for the martini hour at 10 in the morning. Was it a lot of fun to shoot the monsters? Did you have? It was a, yeah. probably a lot of work, but it was fun as well. It was. It was. Luckily, it was only three days a week to be in makeup, so we would had a light reading day on Monday, which was you mm. know just sit around and laugh at the jokes. And Tuesday, we did a little blocking because we had different directors, so a lot of different directors needed to come in and set up you know set up their camera angles. And then Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday were makeup and film days. But the neat thing about it was, as I told in my book, most of memories. They asked me for my uh, monster memory, and I said, you know, that was my job. But my best memories were wandering around the Universal Studio when I had time to go explore. You know, little kids, you know, 12 year old boys, 11 year old, 11, 12 year old boys, they love to go explore places. And what better place to have at your disposal than the entire back lot of Universal and all the sound stages with all the startup movies that were going on during two years? We must have, they probably filmed 30 or 40 movies while I was out there. That, I, that had to be a magnificent to be a witness of. That had to be wonderful. You, how much time do you spend on the road now, uh, Butch? Uh, we're talking to Butch Patrick here, of course. Played Eddie yeah. Monster on the Monsters, but you are you on the road constantly now? I am now. Uh, since I purchased a Monster Coach and Dragula tribute cars three years ago, did you um, really, gentlemen? For the well, six years ago, I met him. Uh, he was hired to drive me around at a haunted attraction. We became friends. He helped me book. I helped him book. And we started touring together. And then when he retired three years ago, I wound up buying his cars. And then I got married two years ago. So my wife took over the booking and travels with me. And now she's got me booked every weekend through into the middle of 19. But now we're starting to do midweek um, promotions with automotive dealers and promotional people along the way. Because while we're doing our weekends, they're solid. What do you do Monday through Thursday? before the next weekend. So now we're, we're actually branching out to even doing more. So I'm going to do about 80, 80 stops over the next uh, about seven, uh, eight months. God, that's that's amazing. I tell you what, though, and I've been married to the same woman for 34 years. We've been together for 37 years. But i got to believe mm-hmm. if she booked me to go on tour when I got back, she wouldn't be there. <laughs> that's just me, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it might. One yeah, never knows. This is a good. It's a good thing, and I'm a gearhead, and, and, I, and automotive events are fun. I still right. do some comic cons, like like Des Moines. Uh, we do. Uh, it's interesting. The Munsters falls into so many different categories. And the house that I bought in Missouri was my grandma's old house. Oh, it turned wonderful. out to be haunted. So we do paranormal stuff. We do comic cons. We do automotive. We do horror sci-fi. We do pop culture. The Munsters fell into a huge pop culture '60s window. So literally, there's seven or eight different categories that we can go down without ever uh, wearing out the welcome, so to speak. I think that's fantastic, though. I think that, do you do, uh, you do a podcast or anything like that, uh, talking about all these very interesting subjects? No, I guest are, I guess on a lot of people's other podcasts, but I haven't done, I was thinking about doing a, a, a ghost story morning uh, podcast. Because right. I have a, I represent a company called Deadly Grounds Coffee, so I was thinking about doing a coffee talk thing in the morning for paranormal fans and just talk about what happened the night before and, and with people's, uh, experiences around the country because i do have this really big old queen anne victorian home that's highly active it's built in a vortex and i thought it would be good for the coffee business at the same time um you know paranormal is a big business right now so i'm thinking about maybe hosting 
ghost tours in my house. That's a great idea. I'm serious. I think but I'm pop- never home. Well, that's the, yeah, that is the problem. You're never home. That's going to be, that is going to be a huge problem, you know, but it's all, I, I was just thinking about since I was a, a teenage kid, which is when the Munsters were on, uh, any house that we come across, my friends or whatever, that might be this either massive or kind of run down mm-hmm. or, you know, just it's always thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> always, that's always yep. the address of that house. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's funny. I just, I just created. I just booked a thing about an hour ago for a guy in, in Hannibal, Missouri, which wasn't too far away. I had a, I had a last minute cancellation, so I whipped up a thirteen thirteen promotion. 13, you know, thirteen hundred thirteen dollars on Father's Day to have fathers come out. After all, Herman was the level-headed one in the family, and Grandpa's Dracula, and everybody remembers thirteen thirteen oh, yeah. as the most famous address ever on television. So it works really well. <laughs> it, it's the most famous address ever on television. I think you're absolutely right. Thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane. <laughs> <laughs> you know the way they set so many the, the way they set up so many uh, 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 trailers at the beginning would be like uh, we're having a Herman Munster who loves that thirteen thirteen. In Mockingbird Lane, they emphasize it so many times on so many scripts that it just it's embedded to people's brains. It is in mine, I'll tell you that. It absolutely is in mine, and I could, I could still probably does does the does, does the set still exist, or did they tear it down? No, the sets. Well, the set themselves are probably a little bit probably in the back lot. They never throw anything away. Oh, good. And the house mm. itself was was painted up to be uh, on Desperate Housewives. And it's on this street that had the Beaver House and had Marcus Welby and oh, had you know, yeah. a few other famous houses as neighbors. You know, Alfred Hitchcock had a house out there in one of his shows. But uh, it's probably around somewhere. I think it's wonderful because I, I can, in my mind right now, go through the front door. You look at that big, huge staircase right there that had a dragon in it. I, mean, <laughs> I can see it all in my head right now. and It'll never go away, which is you wonderful. Know, if you if you like that, go on the go on the uh, internet and look up Munster Mansion, Waxahachie, Texas. There's a couple uh, named Sandra and Chuck McKee down there that built their own Munster Mansion, and it's not so much the house that they built, the way that she appointed it inside. It's just perfect, no pun intended. It's dead on Munster. It's got spot. It's got the it's got the uh, the phone booth. It's got and the thing at the top of the stairs, the spinning uh, suit of armor, everything, even a dungeon. And they, she built it exactly the specs of the house. It's unbelievable. And I tell you what, as a, as a little kid, I often wondered, why do they have a phone booth in their house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I took it after J. Paul Getty, apparently. Apparently, that's where it came from, is J. Paul Getty had well, pay phones in his house. <laughs> well, you know, one of the, the interesting things, too, when people say about the, you know, the success of the show and the longevity, is, yeah, it was funny, and yeah, it was unique with the, with the makeup and the cast and all that. But they didn't. They didn't skimp on the music. They didn't nope. skimp on the set direction. They didn't skip on the lighting, the sound, everything. Every step of the way, the cars, the, everything they did was first rate, and it fell into place for a little two-year window that just uh, America's in love with it. I very, very, very rarely run across somebody that doesn't put a smile on their face when they find out that Eddie Munster's, uh, you know, at the table talking to them. They all come up and have a great time. And now, kids, a new generation, kids, you know, six, seven, eight, nine years old, if they're parents or grandparents introduce them to it they like it and they love watching it with grandpa oh i don't think there's any question because it's you know it's it's charming it's very very funny Mm -hmm. it's you know it's everything a a kid loves there's no question wholesome it's got family values you know we we sit down and have dinner the lessons are learned you know herman's a sweet guy he goes to work every day he holds a job mom takes care of it i mean it's it's a very classic example of uh, the ideal family 
in, in the 60s, except we happened to be monsters, you know, and that was it. <laughs> but other than that, you know, not that big a deal. Other than that. And, and then the, jo- the running jokes with Marilyn, you know, right. I think Marilyn's the only one. <laughs> no, she's yes. thinking guys are running away from her. I mean, it's just so silly, but it worked. Yeah, the, fr- the freakishly beautiful. <laughs> Everybody thought she was only. Well, my, favorite, my favorite line was my favorite line was when Herman would say, "Well, I can tell you, she's nobody from my side of the family that looks like that." And if we don't get rid of her pretty soon, we're going to be stuck with her forever. <laughs> Butch Patrick, ladies and gentlemen, is there? A, do you have a website people could go to? Anything like that? Yeah, Munsters.com. I've owned that for over 20 years. It has my schedule. It will lead you to the store. It will lead you to merchandise. It will lead you to everything you need to know. We have a very active fan group called the Official Munsters Fan Group, over 17,000 members. My wife runs it. She makes it spam-free, very wholesome. Uh, Anybody can go there, and they won't get a bunch of pop-ups and, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff from the Internet on it. It's really good stuff. So if you go to Munsters.com, everything the Munsters you'd ever need to know is there. It is wonderful. Thank you for your time today, sir. Come down to Wizard, Cup, Wizard World. We'll get it done. Yeah, all... I have all... thank you. Oh, sorry. Bye bye. Yeah, I have all the information. Uh, if you want to head down to Iowa for the weekend, it's in Des Moines, Iowa, June first through the third. You can visit wizardworld.com, and you can use the promo code Darkness twenty save twenty percent on ticket purchases. But you can use that uh, promo code for any of the Wizard World events this year. Um, they're going to be all over the place. Yeah. Madison, Chicago. So wherever you may be, you can always use that darkness code or darkness 20 code and save 20%. You know what I really love? I, he said, well, how much time do you need? I said, well, you know, and be honest as long as you want. Why don't we shoot for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. He was on for 13. <laughs> <laughs> because he figured out that he wasn't going to get the normal radio stuff probably true probably from, true yeah from you would you ever wear your outfit and have sex right? with a woman <laughs> yeah thanks yeah that, great that yeah. crap i hate that stuff so much <laughs> I, i've done radio tours to promote the podcast and do all kinds of things and it, it's like really this is the, what you're gonna ask i know me. that's it huh mm-hmm. i didn't know they kept all those set pieces that's i didn't either that's fantastic they do though but you, you know what the rebirth of all this what's what TV show now helps all this is mm. is um, the Big Bang Theory. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. Yes, uh, I mean they constantly at some part of every season Comic Con comes up yeah. somehow, some way it comes up. I yeah, they're the that. reason geek culture is in again. Oh, I think. geek culture! He just called you a geek. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I love it. That's what people call it now. Yeah, that's what oh, they, they call, call it. Geek culture. Yeah. Yep. We have one minute left, Andy, right? minute and ten seconds? Yep. I just wanted to make sure we had the time right. But uh, Butch Patrick, was, I've, I've interviewed him several times now. He's a hell of a nice guy. Very smart guy, actually. Um, I don't know if people know that or not, but he's a, he's a very bright guy. So are you going to be talking to Dave tonight? Yes. I'm sure he'll call me once all of these events are done for the day. And he's got to be there today, tomorrow, and Sunday? Yeah, I think he's got uh, a panel on Sunday, then... He, I think he'll probably be leaving there around 3. So he'll be home Sunday night. About 7, 7.30. Mm-hmm. About a four-hour drive, isn't it? Roughly, depending on traffic. Yeah, I suppose it depends on traffic. Yeah. Oh, it's Sunday night. They better not have that much traffic. I, I hope not. But that, thank you so much, Cassie, for uh, for booking Ian Punnett and, and getting uh, uh, Sue to come on and talk about... Uh, that eye movement thing fascinates me. Why change, change the way your eyes move would help your I- mind? You remember when I worked at this grade school and I worked with the young men who had autism. Mm-hmm. 
they had a system, and they just called it lights and sound. Right. It was just a simpler way of describing it to people. And they would put these headphones on that would play this crazy music, and they put these goggles on, and it was just lights. Yeah. And those young people, when we took them there and brought them out, were so much more relaxed after they came That's out. That's what I hear. I mean, they were, and I was going to ask her about it, but time was getting short. Well, but, we're going to have her on again, though. But I, I'm almost certain it's pretty close to each other, and I couldn't yep. believe how that worked. And then the next step was seeing them. They would put these little uh, electrodes on their head and watch them manipulate the screen. Really? Yeah, they would uh, draw, they would play games and whatnot, and all they did was sit there and concentrate on the screen, but they could make mm. everything happen. It is unbelievable. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. That was Butch Patrick on the Best of. Coming up next, we had Dr. Joseph Alton, and he was talking about his new book, The Ultimate Survival Medicine Guide, next on The Best Of. Good music, Cassie. It's John Bonham's birthday today. Oh, it is? Yep. I wonder if Molina's driving down the road now. Oh, he's not driving. He's, he, he sold his car because he's moving to New York yeah, and he won't need a, a car, car in New York. New York. So no. I wonder if he's just flying to New York, if he flew out today, because today was his last oh, day yeah. in Minnesota. I need to correct something. Okay. Uh, the tallest man did not break his toe. All he did was have a blister. But, oh, my God. But, yeah, no <laughs> antibiotics I means, have... yeah, you're dead. <laughs> I had read that he had actually had a nail in his in at, on the bottom of his foot, and he just didn't notice it because he just didn't have you know good uh, nerve supply down there. Oh my God! You don't notice a nail in your foot? Well, when you're 11 right. feet, yeah. wait, no, eight, he's eight feet 11. He's almost nine feet tall. Wow. I mean, well, yeah, nerves can only carry a signal for so long. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm sure that is true. I actually uh, had a friend, he's no longer with us, unfortunately, but he went on a ski trip and he said, you know, it was a, it's a weird day today. I, I don't know what it was on the mountain, but I just didn't have my usual, I don't know if I, I twisted my ankle or, or I don't know what it is, but my, my right foot is just acting weird. This is after an entire day of skiing. He takes off his, uh, his uh, ski boot and there's a corkscrew in it. <laughs> oh. He had a corkscrew nice. in his boot. Got a little uh, peripheral nerve damage. <laughs> How do you not know there's a corkscrew in your boot yeah, when you're, you're skiing? Have uncomfortable feet, maybe you'd want to check them out. Well, how does a corkscrew get in your boot? Yeah. Oh, if you'd known this guy, it'd be yeah. very easy to point out why, why he had a corkscrew. Did he have, boot. like, diabetes or something? I don't, maybe. Maybe. Mm. I don't know. But do you see do you see things like that, Doctor Elton? That people show up and you go, "Well, how did that ever happen to you?" Does that happen a lot? That is something that happens to every doctor, just about every possible way. I can tell you all sorts of uh, emergency room cases that I've that I've seen that you just wouldn't wouldn't believe some of the things that people wind up putting. Uh, yep. 
places where the sun don't shine and, to hit them and, just, <laughs> and just and just don't know and just don't know how it got there that is actually the most amazing part yeah. of it dr <laughs> elvis slipped and fell it's like yeah i bet there was a case on that happened on monday or tuesday a guy in india showed up at the hospital uh with an entire shower head shoved up his rectum and he said he slipped and fell on it mm-hmm. and it just jammed right up his rectum that's how he said it got so there. he slipped up Way up. No, I don't know. <laughs> showers. I, 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 can beat, I can beat that one. I saw someone who had a potato uh, up somewhere, and it had actually grown, uh, sort of sprouted. Oh! <laughs> and you get the dubious honor of taking care of that. Thank you. Were you the Were you the plow plowman in that one? <laughs> I was. Well. It depends on the definition of plow, I guess. <laughs> it didn't like go grow through the colon wall, did it? Um, uh, no, it actually didn't. It took the path of least resistance. That's good. Oh. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank you for clearing that up, Andy. You know, every day I've been I've been in the radio business now. This is my forty eighth year, and there are still days when I learn things I've never heard before. <laughs> and that would Wish. be the case here with a, a growing potato in your uh. potatoes will grow anywhere. <laughs> They're Clearly. good at that. Well, hey, there's like fertilizer in there and everything. Sure. That's yeah. right. There would be fertilizer. That's a very, very good point. So is that uh, example in the survival uh, medicine handbook, the essential guide for when medical help is not on the way? Is that in there? No, we kept it more uh, G-rated. Uh, the the okay. book is, uh, it's got a, a lot of different things in it. I mean, we talk about everything from athlete's foot to amputation, from heart disease to, to hemorrhoids in the book, and all of it assumes that some disaster has occurred. There's no hospital, no doctor, and the average medical, the average citizen becomes the highest medical asset left to their family. Yeah. So we made a, a plain English book that tells you how to deal with over 150 different medical issues if you found yourself suddenly off the grid. Now, what is, uh, how is Amy related to you? Amy is my lovely wife. Oh, she is your wife. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, I want to check because it might have been your daughter. I don't know. I, I didn't. Want, I don't. Want, I didn't want to assume that it was your wife. I just, you know, she just looked like my daughter. She's so beautiful, <laughs> so young looking and beautiful. Yeah, we got the same yeah, problem. We got the same problem, Doctor Jeff. Oh, there you go. It's true. Um, it's true. Um, so your book. So your book. Would it be a good thing to have when you have children, and maybe something happens, you're out on the playground, and you don't know how long it's going to take for an ambulance to get there, or is this just basically for like you know, when you're hiking? Uh, well, it works away. for a lot of different things. It works. It works for situations where help is on the way, but let's say it could be minutes away, and you have to act in seconds to, let's say, stop bleeding or mm-hmm. uh, deal with some other, let's say, some major orthopedic issue. Uh, it works for situations when you're in the backcountry, or uh, okay. talks about camping safety, for example. It talks about things that are in the news today. We we have sections on how to deal with active shooter situations mm-hmm. and how to. Uh, give how to stop bleeding to the point at least that you give time to medical personnel if they are on the way so that you might be able to save a life. Sometimes uh, an an injury to an artery can take that person uh, out of medical help or out of out of the range of medical help within just a few minutes. So we talk that we talk about every I'll tell you we even have a chapter on volcano preparedness in in this book, I mean, there's mm. really almost nothing that I don't talk about. You can be downtown, and if someone, you know, cut their artery, 
the ambulance might not even it, it could be it three minutes away and they couldn't be there in time depending on how bad the injury is but it's as simple You're as exactly you just right. knowing to put on pressure can be it's just that simple can save someone's life yes absolutely right and uh, the the truth is is that three minutes five minutes and that's pretty much all you have with an arterial bleed there's mm-hmm. something called the golden hour which states that if somebody doesn't get help, that's significantly injured, doesn't get help within an hour, that their chances of survival decrease significantly. Well, when it comes to arterial bleeding, it's more like the platinum five minutes. You really need to get some kind of action, and most of that act, most of the time, that action has to occur with the help of a good Samaritan or a bystander at the scene. Now, Doctor Alton, now that we're very close friends, I need a favor from you. Yes, sir. Already? Would you call Andy every day and pester him until he goes to medical school? Because he, uh, he knows everything about medicine, but he won't go to medical school and get a degree. He doesn't like school. That's true. Well, I'll tell you one, I'll tell you one thing that medical school has so there's so many different things you can do out of medical school these days that you can you can go into everything from you know trauma surgery to psychiatry there's there's and there's everything is subspecialized you if you want if you're interested in just one thing you can actually do it in 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 your medical school curriculum so it's a, it's a great time to be a doctor from the standpoint of you know a lot of technology available and things like that now i talk about the other spectrum a side of the spectrum where there may not be much technology and you have to deal with limited supplies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what might be around you so right. uh, it's right. sort of the opposite of what i talk about but andy i think that it makes a lot of sense for you to uh, get into medical school i think if you could do that then you would wind up having a, a really really satisfying career and a satisfying life and helping other people with your knowledge the great knowledge you knowledge you have andrew it's time for you to step up and be a savior, like Dr. Joseph Alton. But I'm running a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's important. It's important. That is, that's important also, sure. But he could do both. Sure. That's what, that, he could do this and go to... I do both, so if see? I can do it, he could do it. Mm. Uh-huh. I, see, I love that. That makes complete sense to me. Um, so the book is available everywhere, I'm assuming. Yes, you can find it on Amazon. You can find it on our website at doomandbloom.net. Uh, it is a, a book that's been uh, a number one Amazon bestseller in three or four different categories, disaster relief, safety, first aid, Wonderful. survival skills, and uh, it won the 2017 Book Excellence Award in medicine. Now, I should mention it is Doom and Bloom with a B as in Barnard. It's not Doom and Gloom, it's Doom and Bloom. And why did you name it that? Well, Doom represents the various kinds of disasters that might affect mm-hmm. A family, you know, during the course of their uh, of their day or the course of their lives, and Bloom is the natural human uh, resilience in the face of adversity. See, I think that's wonderful. You give people hope just with your name, DoomAndBloom.net, the expanded third edition of the uh, three category Amazon bestseller, survival skills, disaster relief, safety first aid, is geared to enable the non medical professional to deal with all the likely issues they will encounter. It'd be a great idea for every family to have this book in their house, I would assume. Well, you're asking somebody who's a little biased on that point, but yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. <laughs> well, yeah, to be able to, to turn to a text and say, hey, well, here's we can do this for now, yeah. uh, that'd be a wonderful thing to have. At the very least, you should know basic human anatomy, so you know if something happens, what exactly is wrong, rather than just guessing. That's 100% correct. Um, well, to thank Amy for us for helping you write the book, because did she have to carry you through the entire thing, or did you carry her? Oh, I'm just a pretty face. 
He's the brains. I like it. It's a good thing. It's a good thing to have to be married to somebody like that. You and I have that in common. Our our wives are the definitely that better half thing. There's no doubt about it. Dr. Joseph Alton, it's A-L-T-O-N. The book is called The Survival Medicine Handbook, The Essential Guide for When Medical Help is Not on the Way. Dr. Alton, thank you so much. Very, very entertaining, but uh, I learned a lot as well today, so thank you. That was great. Thanks for having us on. Absolutely. Dr. Joseph Alton, ladies and gentlemen, what a nice guy. See, Andy, get in the medical field. You know Dr. Basham. You know Dr. Alton. I'd have to redo my entire high school career, though. No, you wouldn't. High school doesn't matter. Not anymore, no. Yeah, it kind of doesn't, does it? Mm, yeah. Doesn't really matter anymore. We could get, we could work out some angles on it. You know what I'm saying? No, we couldn't. Threaten some we people? Could, yes, we could threaten. Threaten some you people. into medical school. That's how it works. Pretty Somebody fine. asked me about that. So, well, did you actually do that? I said, no, I'm not in the mafia. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, you yeah, can, we don't do a lot of extortion. No, no extortion. We so don't I'm have people killed. You know, we don't do any of that stuff. Uh, no, it's, it's not a mafia organization. We're all good to go. I seriously, I'm very serious about that. And Dr. Elton is not on the on the line any longer. This book would be a great book for every family to have in their home because if a kid comes in and got a gash on their leg, yeah, you're going to rush them to the hospital. Well, you need to know what to do on the way to the hospital, or you're going to call an ambulance. Yeah, for you example, know, yeah. do not touch the gash. Yes. Yeah, because we'll that can make it. things a whole lot worse, just touching it, to, you know. Because a lot of people, that's what they'll do. They'll touch it to see just how bad it is. But... Well, they're going to infect it. Well, and the yep. best thing to do when you have a deep cut is to let it bleed for a little bit. Yeah, don't, clean it out. Don't, yep, because it yeah. flushes out anything that's like, it lowers your risk of tetanus by like, I don't even know. Well, that's why our uh, it's a pressurized system. Yeah. It makes it harder for things to get in. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you cut yourself, don't right away cover it up. Let it bleed for, yeah, like, a makes minute. Sense. That makes yeah. sense. Well, I mean, Knowing how to behave depending. when somebody's well, yeah, having it's... a stroke or is bleeding or a heart attack or anything, I mean, it can really, if, if you just know what to do for the first 10 minutes, it can really save somebody's life. It's it, worth It's astonishing how yeah. many people, something so simple, like someone goes into, you know, they have trouble breathing, and they just have no idea what to do. Yeah. Well, most They'll just people sit there panic. and watch them die. It's most like, people just panic, and they just don't know what yeah. to do. So if you've got the if you've got a book like that, and you know you can look so, if it's easily indexed, and you can look up something. I had a friend who um, she had to like give herself the Heimlich maneuver. Ooh, she like swallowed it. a pill or something. It got stuck in her. You have to go over a chair. Yeah, she had to like go f- <clears throat> throw her herself over the back of a couch, and yeah. she got it out that way. And if she hadn't thought, you know, ever known to do that, mm. she might have died. I always took basic first aid and um, what you call it CPR. Yeah, for nannying. So yeah, we can do the quick reveal because Alex and Catherine leave in one more minute. I'm pregnant. So this is, yes, Alex is pregnant. This is a true story. This many, many years ago, Catherine, I, I cannot eat rice too quickly because I cannot swallow large. I mean, I don't even mean the large amounts of rice. I have a hard time swallowing yeah, rice. Yeah, a lot of people have that chew problem. And, chew and breathe. No, that's no. not it at all. Just don't rice inhale the rice. So, well, so I you give probably, him rice all the time. You probably have a hiatal hernia. Maybe. Because I know I do. And that makes it a lot harder to swallow small things. So we're at a Red Lobster. I'm having lobster and rice. That was at Red Lobster? Yeah. Really? And I start gagging. So I rush into the back room to hurl. And as I'm hurling, I hear my wife laughing. (laughs) That's really nice. Really nice, honey. Okay. First of all, you could talk. 
Really and nice. you were clearly breathing, so I knew you weren't in any super. So bad that's thing. why it was fun. But if you can talk, time, you're good. No, the yes, exactly. So the <clears> next <throat> time it happened, we were out to dinner with somebody, and you were starting. You you looked funny, mm-hmm. but you kept smiling. Well, I didn't I'm want like, everybody to know okay? I was choking to death. Yeah, and you're <laughs> smiling away with this weird smile on your face, and I'm like, I don't know what's happening. Should I get help? Should I get help, Tom? And he just kept smiling at me. <laughs> and then about five minutes later, he finally gets the rice down. He's like, I was dying. I it's was like, dying when right you're front dying, of your eyes. don't smile at yeah. me and, and say everything's okay. Well, that's like I read a thing that it was called <laughs> Drowning Doesn't Look Like Drowning. The like climbing the ladder? Somebody. We're at 1530, by the way. Yeah, I know. We're at 1530. I don't know. Well, you guys can stay for the first segment of the next hour. Can I? No, I can't. Oh, God. All right. We got to go. These two pills have just abandoned us, typically. Yep. We'll be back. Tom Bernard Show. Best of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Hear the ticking of the countdown clocks tonight. Go, we need to go. Alton, a true survivor indeed. Coming up next, closing out the show, we're opening up the old vault. And we are going all the way back to episode 133 with a little role reversal. Paul Mercurio interviews the members of the Tom Bernard Podcast. Next on The Best Of... And we are laughing at my phallic-like microphone cover, and Tom really Bernard's is. wife is yeah, you literally disrobing as we're talking. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, and I'm here with a uh, the uh, royalty of Minnesota, oh. the Bernard family. Oh, right. Tom Bernard, famous radio personality. Yeah, put it next to the Taking coffee of, cup so we can get the uh, scale of his. Picture of your uh, mushroom-like... Uh, <laughs> There you go. Open wide. And, oh my God. And, uh, I'm sorry I'm doing that That's in front of That's Negro a, smirk, a, I think. <laughs> yes, it is. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> and I'm sitting, Tony Lee next to me looks completely disgusted and is throwing up in his mouth right now. And, there, uh, and we are at uh, Tom Bernard's podcast studio. Here in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, exactly, right. and uh, on a are. at a table that has an assortment of things: my phallic microphone, <laughs> uh, gluten-free pretzels, which pumpkin tortilla chips, which is I don't even want to discuss, and then hand cream. So I don't know what they're doing, <laughs> here, but apparently there's some hand Dry cream cuticles, and then you've got <laughs> renews it. That's an anal renews it. it no, that's because we a lot of times have the little dog in here, and she does fart up a storm. So. The dog. She does. And then the we dog. wave it around by her whenever she. <laughs> and that lovely boy, that voice is the lovely Catherine Bernard, uh, who hello, is hello. married to Tom, and much like my, my like my wife she deserves some kind of medal for that. Long suffering. Uh, Correct. Long suffering. Uh, Sean Bernard is uh, the GM of the station. Uh, Tony Lee and Andy Bernard is working the board. As yeah. Not say. the one that works on the office. He's our techie. No. Guy. 
guy. He's our no. techie and a mass murderer, but the nicest guy you'll ever meet. But he will kill you and eat your organs. <laughs> Not all of them. Not all of them. Just the tasty oh, bits. And everybody's been very kind to take time out of their busy day handling Tom Bernard to uh, hang out with us. That and is Tom. true. And Tom's a, a lovely man. Well, thank you very much. He has Actually, cancer. <laughs> He's got Looking a spot. Looking at it again. He's got, He's got a, spot. a spot. I got a spot on my arm. Probably a felt tip marker the next day. <laughs> right, exactly. You know Rain Wilson. <laughs> yes. Right? So he was on the KQ Morning Show mm. last uh, last week. And he's just a hell of a nice guy. He's a great guy. Just a very nice guy. And we got into discussing, you know, wives. And I talked about Catherine. And and I said, you know, I, don't, I just don't see what what's in it for her. Hmm. Right? We talk about I, I'm happily married. I love my wife. But I don't see what's in it for her. And there was this pause. And then Rain Wilson said, well, you sound handsome. <laughs> <laughs> it was fabulous. You do. You it have a great. You were one of the top three. Sean and I were talking earlier. One of the yeah. top three voiceover guys in the country yes. for a number of years. For like twenty-five years. And you were doing that in New York. In New York. In the seventies. Seventies, eighties, nineties. You yeah. met Catherine in New York. No. No, actually. But wasn't she pregnant in New York and then you moved out of Manhattan because you had gotten several was, women pregnant at the same time? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> Several right. black women and Catherine. No, well, I, have, I, have, I actually have a story about that early in my radio career. Oh. I uh, was working at WAPE in Jacksonville. Yes. And they hired me because they thought I sounded black. Right? You do. Because at, at night, the signal is an AM station. And during the day, it would go everywhere. But at night, it went right through the ghetto out into the ocean. <laughs> so they said, well, we're not hiring a black guy. So this is like 1977. <laughs> this is a true story. It's like, well, I don't know any Negroes hanging around here. but uh, So we, let's hire this white guy from Minnesota because he sounds black anyway. Because it's the, the tone of my voice. It's yes. timbre or whatever, right? <clears throat> so my first night on the air. Oh, God, two things happen. So my first night on the air down there. Uh, Grease Man, I don't know if you've ever heard of Grease Man. Yes. He was the morning guy. Yes. And he, 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 he used to do like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, I think it was in D.C. when I was, in, I was in D.C. in law yep. school. Yep, absolutely. The like Grease Man. Popeye thing? He was kind of like a Popeye. <laughs> okay. He would do this weird, like it was almost quagmire on <laughs> Family Guy. And he'd oh, do yeah. this, uh, the, the, the Grease Man. The, like it was this weird high-pitched thing. So three things happened my first night on WAPE. Um... Greaseman knew the the sheriff of Orange County really really well. They right. were really good friends. Wait, you didn't say W A P E, did you? Yeah, wape. wape. It was the ape. <laughs> the ape. The ape. Yeah, yeah I know this kind of wape. Name. The ape. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like really a, bad name for a ghetto <laughs> radio <Yeah>. station. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we can just call it w, w Spear Chucker and getting it over with. See, I think it and he says it. Huh? Uh, yeah, there you go. I don't think any black people like me, so they don't listen to my stuff. So here's the deal. So we got, we're got we thinking we're going to have everybody fooled now and blah, blah, blah. So I go on the air and the phones start ringing off the hook. And I answer the first phone. And this woman goes, Catman. My, my name was Catman. Yeah, I wanted to ask you why you were called Catman. I think because other people thought I sounded like Wolfman Jack. Right. So, I don't know. Uh, Jim Chanel was the program director at KSTP at the time, and he gave me that name. This is here in... Um, yeah, this is Minneapolis. Where, you, start, where you, a... you started your radio career. Yes. Right. 
They want another animal. Want another animal with a man, oh, yeah, an animal man, everybody. Tom the yeah. eel. Tom had a tendency to clean himself in public. <laughs> yes, yes exactly. Him. He would lick eat and then lick, and lick his himself. And lemur man was already taken. <laughs> lemur man, <laughs> shark man was taken. There were already was a shark man. Scale lemur man. And we know ape man was taken because that was the mascot for W eight. Exactly for wake. If you like bananas and watermelon, you're gonna love our radio show. So this. I get this call for this one. She goes, Cat Man. I said, yes. First of all, let me tell you something. I know you ain't black. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, I'm not a fool. Your cover was blown. I said, okay, well, so what if I'm not? She goes, you have any pictures? And I said, no, I ain't got any. She goes, Cat Man, you a public speaking man. It's not, I ain't got any. It's I doesn't have any. (laughs) True story. Oh That's a true story. It turns Doesn't out that was it. Aretha Franklin. Uh, yeah, it was. Absolutely. So then there's this pause, and she goes, So, Catman, you ever laid down with a black woman? <gasps> this is what Ooh. she asked me. Brown said, well, I'm sweating at this point. The station is out in the middle of nowhere, by the way. I mean, it's out in the middle of the swamps yeah. in northern Florida. I'm like, oh, God. I said, I'll tell you what. I did. Give me a call tomorrow night, and we'll continue our conversation. This part, next part, I will have to do word for word, otherwise it doesn't have the impact. It just doesn't. Now, I'm from Minnesota. I don't know anybody in the city of Jacksonville, Florida. No one. So the sheriff calls, and he says, uh, so, Cat, man, uh, I wonder if you could go on there and tell everybody we found this very expensive racing bicycle. Uh, and if somebody could call and claim it, then, you know, that'd be great. This thing's worth several hundred dollars. And I said, okay, well, I'll tell you what, why don't we just do this? Why don't we just put you right on the air, and you can describe the, you know, the important parts, and then people will be able to claim the thing. Right? <laughs> so I said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as you know, Greaseman's a uh, great friend, you know, Buford Pusser, whatever the guy's name <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, Buford Pusser, the uh, whatever. So I said, so, Sheriff, I understand you found a racing bicycle. Well, that's exactly right, Cat. Man, we found this racing bicycle. It's one of them Fuji Lot White Frame bicycles. It costs a lot of money, very valuable. And if you can call the sheriff's office and, and describe the bicycle, well, therefore, best thing, of course, would be to have the serial number on file at your house. So, we definitely know it was yours. Uh, so, if you can call and claim it at the sheriff's office, we'd like to get your bicycle back to you. And I said, well, it might help. Uh, where did you find that bicycle? He goes, right in the heart of nigger town. Oh, oh Jesus. my God. Oh. I'm like, because uh, uh. oh now, again, this signal's going right through yeah. the ghetto, out into the <laughs> right, ocean. Right. I'm in the middle of nowhere, right. out in the swamps, right? So I go, oh, well, boy, look at the time. We'd love to stay in schmooze. Fabulous. So I hang up. The phone starts ringing like a son of a bitch. I mean, it's off the table about two feet because wow. I'm getting so many calls. Yeah. Not one complaint about nigger town. <laughs> but it was everybody's bicycle. <laughs> it was unbelievable. That is awesome. I, Welcome to the dead. South. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know any. You know, I, I had never been in the deep south. Because Jacksonville is not Florida. It's the deep south. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. Uh, it's just the deep south. It's deliverance, yeah. But I just... So I'm... <laughs> Next day, I'm on my way into work because I work like 7 to midnight. Yeah. I'm on my way into work, and there's this guy in a Jiffy Mart, and he's about 4.50. He's wearing the bib overalls, the whole deal. <laughs> right. And he's got five candy bars in each hand. Right. So he's got 10 total candy bars. And he walks up to the counter, and the guy behind the counter looks at him. He goes, 
well, I'm going to have a nice little dinner tonight. And he goes, them's for after supper. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, so, it's a true story. Right? So now to wrap this whole thing up. Dessert. It's dessert. To wrap this whole dessert. thing up, I get off at midnight. I don't know anybody. So I figure, I'll, well, I'll just go to the Waffle House and I'll have a late dinner and, and you know. Just think about this move that I've made here to Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> You've been there how long at that point? Two days now. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh. So I go to Waffle House, and there are these two women sitting in a booth, and they both have curlers in their hair. Of course. Right? They got their big hair, head full of curlers. It was curler night at the Waffle House. <laughs> yeah, at the Waffle House. <laughs> you get free waffles if you bring your, wear your curlers. So, so I'm sitting there, and I'm eating my little waffle and going, I hope I meet someone, you know, to talk to and not be by myself all the time. Uh, and this other big woman with curlers in her hair comes walking in, and she looks down at one of the other two curlered women and said, I heard you called my daughter a bitch. Boom! Punches her right in the right fucking in the- mouth. I mean, just blasts her right in the mouth with a, with a, a right hand. And I just dropped my fork and I said, where the fuck am I? <laughs> Is this before or after you got fleas? It, we had fleas. Yeah, my apartment oh, had fleas, my too. You had fleas in Florida? Had, had fleas, yeah. Oh they God. gave me this beautiful apartment. Gave me yeah. a brand new. Back then, this was a big deal. Gave me a brand new Monte Carlo. Oh, wow. Really Look at you. That's perfect down there. Oh, absolutely. A lot of Cubans <laughs> jump in the car with you. Only problem I said, the station, uh, the station and the apartments got fleas. You know, and I didn't. I'd never been around fleas before. But like right around the top of my sock line, I'm getting this red ring around both my legs. I'm going, what the hell is that? Chomp, chomp. And the next door, oh, you got fleas, I think. It looked like fleas to me. I'm like, oh, wonderful. So it's just like being in a whole different world. Why did you go down there? Like you were doing radio here. Give people some background. Fire. You were doing radio yeah. here. I was doing radio up here. I love how your wife just cut your legs over here. He was fired. He was a loser. It's a failure. Oh, that's exactly right. It was either that or live under a bridge. It's homeless. <laughs> She's right. I got fired. Here. here it, well, what happened was... You go to college. You get out of college. I never went to college. I never even finished high school. Oh, that's right. You tell me that. Um, that's but, why I said so, ain't. So I, I, I kept getting fired from all my radio jobs. So how did you? Why did you decide to go into radio? Because uh, I, it was on the uh, Hennepin County. Hennepin County is where Minneapolis is located. Mm-hmm. They had a thing at the time called the WIN program, the Work Incentive Program, where they would take at-risk youth. Even though I was not a juvenile delinquent, I was at risk because I was I had dropped out of high school and lived in the ghetto. Uh, so they thought I was at risk. <clears throat> so they said, we'll send you to school. We'll put you through school. What do you want to study? And I said, well, do you have like a book of jobs? <laughs> right? And I, so they gave me this book that had job titles in it. And I got to the bees and broadcasting. I said, those fucking guys only work like three hours a day. That's what I want to do. I want to do broadcast. That right? and you got tired of reading. You said, I'm, I'm done at the yeah. bees. Yeah, I'm done with the bees. I'm reading. I want, to, I want to go bet. But luckily, you know, where I grew up, you had to bullshit your way out of a lot of things. I mean, Sean will be able to tell you that. Yeah. yeah. If you didn't make people laugh, they would kill you. That's yeah. exactly the way it was growing up in That's my fat, Italian neighborhood. Like, right? they were really tough guys. And I, my wife, we, we, I married a wasp from the right side of the tracks. Her father's a doctor. Her mother's a doctor. Her grandparents were doctors really? in World War One and World War Two. <clears throat> Excuse me. And she, when I told her for the first time f- that we would get in fights, fist fights, mm-hmm. on a regular basis, 
It's just like your wife is looking at me now. Oh, I know. Yeah, like, oh, like I know. weird, but then yeah. you're also turned on yeah. a little bit. I can see it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stare at oh, it. Yeah. Stare at the phallic microphone. Oh, I can't even look at uh, it. Your husband's got cancer. He's going to be dead in 10 exactly. months anyway. Um, That'll be your new best friend. Yeah, exactly. There, there. It'll be fine. Not at the be... funeral. <laughs> Move over, Tom. I got some business. Uh, well, wow, this has gotten dark. Good thing it's my podcast. Right, by the way, Pumpkin Tortillas are a sponsor of our mother. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. My wife was shocked. Yeah. That I mean, they were regular. I remember, and this is you mentioned the guys calling in and like not saying anything about the N word being said, and they were commenting on the bike. This right. is like a similar, not similar, but related in some way. I got in a fist fight with Eddie Sinodowski, who went to reform school like four times. Right, right. They made me. They basically made me. They wanted to steal cookies from the local convenience store, so I went in and I was the misdirect. I went in and I would ask questions, and then they I would steal that. the cookies, and then we'd go eat the cookies. Mm-hmm. It's true. Nice. And 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 I didn't think anything. I was like, yeah, you steal the cookies, and we were racist too. Like there was a guy who had like a little penny candy store, and he would never like give you a break on anything. And his name was John's Candy Store. We called him John the Jew. We would oh. say that all the time. It was completely racist. Or we'd say like, well, you what are you trying to Jew me down on that? Like we sure. would say things like that, and no, because it was so. Cloistered. It was Italian, all Italians, and anybody that wasn't Italian were for, like foreign. Like I didn't meet a Jewish person until I was 13 years old. I didn't know they wow. existed, Jeez. and when I met them, didn't care for them. I found that they were controlling. Now, so Tony, so, Hi, Paul, how are you? Oh, you're Why are you wheeling your chair away now? You, you know what it is? She never it. looked at your nose, but you're right. Yes, yeah, that, that is that a big the, the tip off. Well, Lee, and speaking of tip, you you, you anglicized your name. <laughs> no, actually, that's that's my real name. He's really? Korean, but. <laughs> <laughs> Papa changed it before point. he was married. If he didn't, I would have been the big Lebowski. Oh, is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lebowski? Lebowski? Yeah. I didn't know it was Lebowski. Harold Lebowski. And by the way, he's married to a Sicilian woman. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Well, Jews and Italians are a lot alike. Very similar. Yeah. Food, Emotion, family. Food. Basically family. You just have all the fucking money, but that's like... <laughs> Now, tell people what your relationship with Tom is and the family, and you work with Tom. What, tell them. Yeah, well, we met uh, back – I used to work at KQ mm-hmm. and uh, as a writer, producer, and uh, we just we just kind of hit it off. They'd have parties at the station, and we had similar senses of humor and grew up in ethnic neighborhoods. Right. And, you grew uh, up in the area, Minneapolis. St. Mm-hmm. Paul. Yeah, in St. Paul. Mm-hmm. And uh, just, you know, I filled in a couple times for people who were on the show who weren't there. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess it was just a good chemistry. And a, about a year later, they asked me to hang out and join That's the great. show. Yeah. And so you've been with Tom for how many God, years? God, I was there for 10 years. Wow. And then we got back together on this. <clears throat> yeah. Where'd you go? Call me about six. Oh, God. Israel? Was, yeah, yeah, I did. I went to <laughs> Tel Aviv on a, on a marvelous journey. <laughs> Opened a little drugstore. <laughs> you got a scarf in the way it's wrapped. You definitely uh, you look Middle Eastern, angry about Palestinians. I've heard that terrorist has been dropped in my presence. Really? Uh, has yes. it really? Yes. You and Ari Shafir. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got that scary look, but I'm really a, a not as scary lightweight. As Andy. No, Andy's got that. Intense, <laughs> sinister. So now you're so so when you're working. Oh, oh so the thing about I was saying real quickly. I want to get back to you. Was like so I get in a fight with Andy Sidnowski, and we're fighting all over the neighborhood for like two hours, and it's really cold out. It's like February, so he took our jackets off, and all the other kids are following us around, and we're fist fighting, and we're punching each other, and rolling, and punching, and punching. And my this is how common it was. My mother rolls up in her Pontiac Bonneville, rolls past the window down, and she goes, <laughs> "What are you doing, Eddie, Paulie? What are you doing?" Like, well, you go. 
put your jackets on. You're going to catch your death. <laughs> she drives away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was just like, wow. you know, and that's what people did. And so so you're in that place where you're trying to find you got to do something or you're going to get yourself in Yeah. Trouble. So, I mean, basically what happened was is uh, I was working at this place. WDGY, Y11. It was an AM station. They were trying to make it sound like an FM station. Mm. And it was kind of like an album rock station. And uh, the general manager decided that he he had (laughs) about uh, two years earlier, same general manager, right? And he's still my friend, by the way, Mm -hmm. after all this. Guy named Dale Weber. Great guy. So in 1975, I go out to the station. And I'm sitting there talking to the general manager and the program director. I said, okay, well, I'll talk to you guys later. I said, okay. So I drove home to North Minneapolis. This is, I come through the front door. The phone's ringing. And I answered the phone. I said, hello? He goes, hey, Tom, it's Dale. Dale and Johnny here at WDGY. I said, hey, what's up? You're fired. <laughs> they wouldn't fire me in person. Really? Because they were afraid <laughs> to fire me in person, right? They thought I'd go berserk on them. Yeah. Well, the... the Sales, the head of sales the day I was hired there comes up to me and goes, what are you doing? I said, just hanging around. He goes, well, you're not allowed in here. I said, what are you talking about? I was sitting in the lobby of the radio station. That was Mark Coleman. But didn't you show up oh in God. that in that interview with like you were like in cut off jeans? He thought that I was the Toro Tommy. Guy. They called you Tommy. Yeah. And that you were like a kid and they thought it was some kid that came in off the. They thought I was the Toro guy there to cut the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why he's like, well, you're not supposed to be in here. You're the lawn boy. Always the fashion plate. <laughs> right. But yeah, these guys became my friend. So, so two years later, uh, they called me from WDGY and said, yeah, we need to get a fill in to read the news. They want me to read news in the morning. Mm. So I said, yeah, I can do that. And then they decided that format wasn't going to work, and they were going to uh, turn it into a country and western station. Um, I, don't see, I don't see you <laughs> no. in that. No, 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 no I can see that. Yeah, no, Keith Urban. Uh, Keith, I think his name is Keith Urban. Whatever. Uh, Alan Jackson. Um, so anyway, they said, well, we're going to probably not keep a whole lot of the people on the on the station because we're album rock people whatever and i said well you know i'd actually like to audition for the morning show and everybody started laughing and said you could never do morning drive right. and you at this no point way. you're reading the news mm-hmm. and that's it and that's all and I'm how are you supporting now. yourself i wasn't making a whole lot of money i was making like 12 grand a year or something look like at that. me that's a lot of money look at in me. his neighborhood uh-huh. i want to ask you a question uh-huh. were you a male hooker at the <laughs> no 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 absolutely not i tried <laughs> didn't get a lot of customers it was tough <laughs> it was tough, it was but tough he was with I, I could get it up and yeah. then it was took a while to get it up a second time <laughs> so yeah well all of a sudden it was like okay they I, so i didn't really get fired they just kind of closed the station and became country and western and, yeah you got fired but the, one of the great things <laughs> One of the great things, just wow. you know, she you know, does so. She does wonders for your personal. It's just unbelievable. Wow, that's exhausting. That's, I, I just was feeling sorry for her. I not feel sorry for you. I understand. But oh, I, ganging one, up. One great thing about nine years later, when I started at KQRS, and then our ratings went through the roof thanks to the people in Minnesota. I sent a message to each one of those people that said, you, you, "You could never do morning drive." I said, "Fuck you." How about that? You did. They didn't, because they had no interest in giving anybody a chance. Yeah. It's like, I didn't... You know, it sound like this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, morning radio. Right, 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 right. <laughs> so I didn't, you know, puke. So I, I apparently couldn't be a Well, but you're guy. motivated, I think, the same way I'm motivated. If someone says no to me... Oh, yeah. 
And that's my I get that from my mom, I think. Like, yep. If someone says no, that's the best. I say that to my son like that the best thing someone's going to do is tell you you can't do it. Well, I mean that that was the deal with for the same reason by the way when I started doing voiceover in 1977. They said, "Oh, you'll never you'll never ever make any money at this. You sound too black." I mean, 1977, blacks were not getting hired to do acting, voiceover, yeah. you know, radio, nothing. Well, because they would steal the equipment. Sure. You know, they'd Trans- show up on the set and there'd be no cameras. Transmitters like, gone. Go? And it's like the guy with the afro. There you go. The, the Jew? No, 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 not the Jew. Not, not, not Afro Jew. Black Jew. Black, black hair Jew. Only thing they never stole was the scene. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, there you go. So in the trajectory the of things, you are, your voiceovers came before the serious radio career or somewhere in the middle yeah, of that? I, yeah, I mean, I was a nighttime disc jockey before 1977. Right. And then uh, in 1977, I actually went to work for Capitol Records as a regional right. promotion guy. Yeah, that's when you were in New York. Uh, no, I was still here then. Uh, but weren't you living in New York and you moved out of New York when Catherine was pregnant? That was 1985, 86. Right. So that was some years later. So yeah. I was in New York from 80 until 86. And what brought you to New York? Because that's where all the advertising was being done. Now it's mostly voiceover. out of L.A. now. So you kind of segued out of radio for a while because you're doing so much voiceover work and that was your no, main No, because no one would hire me in radio. <laughs> I couldn't get hired in radio because I just – I never lasted – before I held this but job. But were they right? Like what was the thing – Catherine, were they right? Seriously. I, I really have no idea. Like I what was – because, you know, sometimes people are right. And some, what was lacking in your skill set then that's not lacking now? Uh, Respect for authority. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah, but because you, I tell but, people to go fuck themselves. Oh, polit- like in the office. Yeah, yeah. I that's, mean, Tony knew that, that about me. That, that right? literally, I mean, that, when I, I worked for a short time for a few months in Fargo, North Dakota, you talk about a guy out of his wow. element. Wow. Right? So I go from North Minneapolis to Fargo, North Dakota. That's God Dakota. teaching you a lesson. And the, the owner, not just the a president. Big right? a big lesson. You can't keep true. your mouth shut. You're going to Fargo. <laughs> fuck you, Fargo. Can't keep your mouth shut. You're going Grand to Forks. Bismarck. Grand Forks. No, Grand Forks. Yeah. sunscreen because things are getting a little crispy outside on this episode of the best of the tom bernard podcast brought to you as always by bradshaw and bryant great clips this week from butch patrick dr joseph elton and paul mercurio Thanks for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week. Episode.